Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the first part of our Halloween series, the series of our podcast, Bisexually Lit. That's us. Hi. Let's Hi. take that from the top. <laughs> that came out so weird. <laughs> Listen, if you want to keep it, that's fine. But we're gonna we're gonna take that back a couple pieces. Might just put that in before the uh, before the theme song. Hey guys, we can... uh, after the theme song, you're gonna hear another take of that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Bisexually Lit. I'm Summer. And I'm Dex. And this is the podcast where we talk about movies and how we're super queer. And uh, Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're so excited because like, okay, so it's spooky season. We're recording this in like mid-September. And I'm just like, okay, the, the, the... the weather is changing. The falls are yes. da- the the leaves the are falls falling. are leaving. <laughs> yeah, the falls are leaving. Um, the house of Usher is falling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and yeah. we want to cover some freaking horror movies. So uh, this is officially the first part of our Halloween series. We're going to be putting out one episode a week, and we're super excited about what we've got coming because I like. <laughs> Horror movies are just, like, the best to analyze, right? Like, there's just so much. Don't you agree, Summer? Oh, yeah. There's, I was just waiting for you to finish. Sorry. <laughs> like, I don't have a point. Yes. I'm just excited. Oh, absolutely. There's so many layers to peel back. So many ooey, gooey, yeah. bloody, if you will, layers. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we're really excited. We have some, a handful, like, a, a, a smattering, if you will, of different horror films from different genres that make us feel different things. And I think that um, the the discourse from that will be pretty fun and interesting. We're stoked. Uh, Yeah. So um, this is the first, the first one, like Dex said, and we aren't going to talk about it yet because we have to work. Wow. Why are, why am I so rusty right now? How long has it been a week since we recorded? Goodness oh, yeah. gracious. Good but it, let's just say it has been a week. It's been a week. Um, it's been a there's week. been a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, how are you, Dex? I'm doing good. What's your week been? Yeah, my week was pretty, I guess, boring. Uh, you know, like, I go to work. I come home from work. I do a thing until bedtime, you know? <laughs> and the it thing hasn't varies. It has super interesting. No, there's, there are many times in my life where I find myself in that sort of, like, monotonous rut. Like, it's not yeah. a terrible thing. It's not terrible. Sometimes you just go on but autopilot for a while and not it's much good. to report. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I wish I could tell you that I, like, did something exciting or met someone interesting but no it's it's mostly just like oh i was watching more movies the exciting thing is that the weather is starting to transition yes. into autumn and there's like a, a slight crispness in the air and yeah, i've been going great. on long walks because like i i like summer evening walks they're great but i i will just like stay out walking in the fall for like an hour and a half it's so nice it's like beautiful walk weather. through the falling leaves and and you can like hear the women in the houses you pass thinking about when it's appropriate to put out Halloween decorations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, especially in these parts. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I was 
so we live in Utah, right? In like the middle of everything, uh, like Mormon and, and I don't know. I was talking to a friend the other day who is not from here. And he was like, well, do you guys like celebrate Halloween? And I was like, oh, you have That's the Jehovah's no Witnesses. Idea. They don't celebrate Halloween, I but they don't like celebrate of, any yeah, holiday. Yeah, I feel like a lot of Christians don't cele- celebrate Halloween or like they there's a certain thing. But I feel like Mormons, they get so hype about it. Like... There's something totally they, they for really... being such like a fundamentalist kind of like religion. It's kind of strange that yeah. they get so into it. Exactly. Like the Halloween parties that my ward would throw growing up were out of this Huge. world. Like you do like a haunted houses, treat. trunk or treats, yeah. like all everything. There's like people to coming up to you in, in skeleton <laughs> costumes. Like it's it's they go so hard. I wonder if part of it is like a sort of like, hey, we can participate in like fun horror campy shit. But like it's sanitized like it's for the kids like we can have them get all excited about it and and we don't have to worry about like all of any the implications of the, yeah of like, exactly like it's become completely it's severed from like its origins yeah which are like as a pagan celebration yeah. Samhain and like a, a harvest like a, and death ceremony you know yes there, I mean there's lots of different like origins of it right so uh yeah I, I think they've they've very much created like a little pinteresty world of halloween over here it's it's a little distanced from the halloween that i enjoy mm. but it mm-hmm. is consistent mm-hmm. yeah I thank agree. you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> encore um yeah 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 well my my week so i can't really go into too much of what's been causing uh certain anxiety and also uh, a sort of like rush of adrenaline that comes from like possibly being part of like overthrowing a evil corporation but I'll just leave it at that um <laughs> maybe, maybe I should believe some of that I said nothing I, it's fine right um so uh I also went to Fanex this week and that was super fun so nice. it's basically like the legally they can't call it comic-con because because mm-hmm. it's not a Comic-Con. it's not comic-con is like its own thing Right, but, but I think the very first year they did it, they called it like they Salt Lake City Comic Con. Yeah, like and that. then Comic Con was like, "Wait, hey, you, you can't, can't do that." Do that. So it's called Fanex, uh-huh. which is fan experience, um, and it was really fun. I I really enjoy visiting all the different booths, seeing all the various vendors, um, a lot of local artists, a lot of artists from all over the country, the world. Obviously, seeing all the cosplay is like amazing so cool. um but it's extremely draining it's so crowded and as someone who shies away from large crowds um and gets overstimulated by that uh after you know a little while I'm not like as sensitive as like some people but it definitely grades on you after a while yeah. and so I just like needed a full day to recover after that which luckily I didn't have to work the next day um, but it was really fun and good. and you got some really I got cute, some like, really cool earrings. stuff for only being there for a few hours I had a really good haul you my favorite thing stuff. being the last unicorn tarot deck yes. which listeners you probably don't well if you're a friend you know that I a love unicorns B have a slight obsession with um the last unicorn uh the film by Peter S. Beagle banger uh scored by America <laughs> fucking amazing um it's a wild 
and trippy animated film from the I always forget if it's early 70s or late 60s I think it's the 70s oh, wow, um that's old. but yeah oh my god so you amazing got a cast tarot deck yeah with, sorry now yeah. I want to talk about the last unicorn I'm like okay so that's <laughs> oh what we're covering that's right our nope. Hall- that's our first Halloween movie is the last unicorn Honestly, and like, it's I horrific could, and apocalyptic I could themes probably argue that it's like a Halloween movie there's a lot of like dark elements to it yeah, it's um, like it, i could see it being spooky ooky. like i would watch it after i watch over the garden wall right yes oh i love over the garden wall. there's like a skeleton in it that gets drunk on an imaginary wine <laughs> it's fantastic um but anyway uh another thing that i've been i went down like a really dark rabbit hole but like fascinating in so many different ways so I told you how I went, Dex. I told you how I went to see The Sound of Freedom. Yeah. With, with my my father and my sister. Oh my God. I yeah. I've been curious <laughs> about that actually. Um, we don't. I can't really go into it too much no, because totally, I will kind of spend weird... like an hour trying to like divulge everything that I've consumed over all the podcasts I've listened to, all the articles I've read about Tim Ballard, and Dude, what's happening with the church's is, denouncement yeah, of Tim Ballard. Completely... That's happening in real time right after I watch this fucking movie. So so okay okay. So for those of you who don't know. Tim Ballard is a oh, okay he's like a QAnon supporter like hyper um, conservative right wing you know mm-hmm. guy who is the founder of this alleged um, child trafficking revolution they're trying to like anti child trafficking sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. anti child no, yeah, trafficking yeah, yeah they're trying to save the children yeah. okay but like okay so it's called um, Operation Underground Railroad is O-W-R. this oh sorry yeah, o- O-U-R O-U-R yeah Operation Underground Railroad and like he is just there have been so many reports like a lot of different like fact checkers and like investigators and reporters who have found that most of his stories are completely fabricated. He takes credit from other people's work. Mm-hmm. They are basically distracting from actual nonprofits that are doing good work mm-hmm. um, and their approach is terrible and they made this movie and it was produced by uh, Angel Productions. I think that's the Angel name of Studios. it. Angel Studios. Thank you. Um, formerly known as VidAngel. And they're like this Mormon group. And Tim Ballard's like Mormon as yeah, well. He's like, and a, the church, he's like a celebrity among Mormons. He is. Yeah. And the church literally just like completely denounced him publicly yeah. by name, which isn't really. I mean, they've done it before when but they excommunicate people. But, but it's kind of like out of the norm. And Tim Ballard like is really good friends with M. Russell Ballard. They're actually not related. But, yeah, no, but, but he apparently distantly. he would like drop uh, that Elder name. Ballard's name. But yeah. he's like denying it. Anyway, so that's been like okay. fascinating for me because the timing of all of this and like the fact that I was just learning a lot about um, Tim Ballard and then this happened. And like I've also kind of been, I don't know, listening to a lot of interesting like kind of recircling because because when I first left the Mormon church like you know you go through phases where I was like grieving it and then I was like deconstructing everything still and like reworking my view on everything and like trying to piece things together um and I went into a lot of like you know Mormon history and like all of these fucked up things that you don't learn about when you're in the church and um And then I took a step away from that because I evolved past that and like it wasn't so much a part of my identity. Mm -hmm. But recently a a series of different things have happened in my life that have like re-sparked that for me. And so I've been listening to um, John Dillon's Mormon Stories LDS Discussion series, which is a sub-series of Mormon Stories, which dives deep into like church history and like... It's it's really good. Um, but anyway, so having having that at the forefront of my mind with everything happening with Tim Ballard has just been like 
kind of like super disturbing, but mm. also like. I don't know. It's like scratching an itch for me. And I can't really explain why, but. (laughs) No, I totally get it. And like, I I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit in the episode. Like the, the culture that we grew up in was so formative in so many different ways. And so there's no separating your personal experience from the things you learned when you were a kid, the things you learned when you were like an adult and still tied to it, you know? So like it, it totally makes sense that like, yeah, you want to know what's going on in a community that you used to be in. Like you understand the context. Like you said, since we still live in Utah and it's Mm -hmm. still, and I'm still in the middle of it. I'm very much immersed in it. I think maybe even more than you are right now Mm -hmm. because of where I live, which I'm not going to dox myself, but I do live in a more prominent, like kind of Mormon community Mm -hmm. versus like, I live in Salt Lake, like, like in the city. And so I'm very close to all the like church headquarters stuff, but I don't like culturally, it's a lot more queer friendly. There's a lot more like diversity and it's, it's sort of like a more progressive bubble that I'm living in as opposed to kind of, um, where summer lives is, you know, there's a lot more of a certain type of Mormon uh, conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, and even people who have like there, cause there are, it's Okay. There's a lot of families here, too, even mm-hmm. families that aren't necessarily like LDS, but even the families that are kind of post-Mormonism who have left the church are still very like they're like your stereotypical nuclear family. Yeah, and they, they tend still... to be constructed in very similar ways. Yes, to home- yeah. exactly. Um, um, but I, yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting because like this actually does pertain to people, even if they're not in the church, because the the church denounced Ballard like three days or something after Mitt Romney announced he wasn't running for <gasps> That's re-election. Right. Yeah. And Tim Ballard, his name was up for like maybe we should run him, right? Yeah. And so he was the, there like, was talk of him running for Senate. Yeah. Exactly. And so all of these things kind of form together in a way that like you know the power of the mormon church and the influence of it like i i don't want to say whether for good or evil right now but like the influence that it has impacts everyone not just people who are members of the church right it's kind of how it works when you live in a pseudo theocracy uh yes like i'm not explicitly claiming that but it does it's shaped there like are one there are a lot of examples yeah. of how you could argue that it is i just i more I, of a theocracy no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, like yep. i'm like oh i have a, a friend no, okay this is this is shit i love to talk about too like it's so it's so fascinating how everything is kind of like tied in together yeah. and and the sound of freedom stuff just went yeah. huge like the pop culture of it all meets like in yeah. real time like exactly the devolution of like oh it's like oh man this is my this is my roots i can explain yeah. this to anybody uh, it's different yeah yeah so if you yeah anyway um yeah. but um <laughs> i'm glad we, hey <laughs> that, hey we're here to talk about fun. a movie we are and uh, it's interesting because dex and i were talking about the lineup that we have for our little like spoopy halloween series um there's we kind of dive into some more like niche horror genres that aren't necessarily your like classic, you know, typical Spoopy. like what you think about like when you slasher. think of Halloween movies. Yeah. yeah. But um we we're not gonna tell you yet what the other ones are, but just expect like something a little different every time. Yeah. And it'll be really fun. Today's we well, today we're covering um the two thousand seven teeth. Yes. And we want to right up at the top, we want to put a huge uh, content warning slash trigger warning. Um, This movie, if you have not seen it, uh, it deals heavily with um, sexual assault, with rape, Mm -hmm. um, and 
also uh, religious trauma, I would yes. say. Yeah, like so, purity culture And stuff. rape culture. And yeah. yeah. So just know right off the top, if that's not for you, if that's something that you're at a point in your life or you just aren't really wanting to visit that corner of um, the fucking dark yeah. um, patriarchal society that we live in, then then that is completely acceptable. Maybe yeah. skip this one. Um, we'll don't have worry. another one for we'll you. We'll have a like, much lighter yeah. one next week for you. And that's why we have like... That's why we're kind of taking out one every week in October. Well, that's not why. Mostly because we just really like doing Halloween stuff. But, like, we're hoping that if this one doesn't work for you, you know, next week you'll have one. Yeah. Hopefully there will be an episode for everyone. Yeah. By the end. Um. But, yeah. So. So teeth. This movie, man. Okay. So the director is Mitchell Lichtenstein, right? Uh-huh. This was his uh, feature debut. Prior to this, he did one short film. He actually studied acting in school. Interesting. Um, And that's kind of what he wanted to go into primarily, I guess. But yeah, he wrote, directed, and produced this. Mm -hmm. And it premiered at Sundance in 2007. And it did really well. And I mean, we'll get into it. But like, of course, like it's definitely a a very, it's a statement piece, right? Like he's definitely saying something here. And Sundance ate that shit up. (laughs) I think like... Yeah, it it was very much an am- not amateur effort, but like an inexperienced effort. But I think it nails a lot of things that are very important. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah like yeah, I think so, especially for the time. Like mm-hmm. especially knowing, like first of all, considering the content, like the not just like thematically, but mm-hmm. like very literally, like, like what this is handling. Um, I think for the most part, he does it in a very um, tactful and like tastefulish way. I mean, I don't know if tasteful is insightful and like um, intentional. Yes, it's not it's not gratuitous. Like none of it is like stylized into this thing where you like might be. uh, Yeah, like it's not like a lot of horrors where it's like, oh, this thing happened in his blood and guts or, or like this person is traumatized because of the horrible things she just experienced. Like this is more like this is real or, or like the, not like, like not the feelings, but like the, um, I'm like, actually no, vaginas don't have teeth. We can't. Yeah, it's not it's, real. It's like, it's like <laughs> simplified, right? Like it, it's like yeah. not being, it, it's, there's it's a, there as part of the theme and part of what it's saying instead of just like, oh, look, this is violence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes. Violence like, for the sake you want of some violence against women? Here, have some violence against exactly. women. This one is more it like, glorify this that. is the reaction of a woman to violence. Yes. Um, and that's really cool. So, and I, her, yeah. we, <laughs> we do need to set this up. So, the, the premise of this movie uh, is about a girl who's like in high school and she has taken like a vow of chastity. She is in a very like, puritan space yes but she's like the spokesperson for this like purity promise group yeah (laughs) and so the premise of this movie is that she has teeth in her vagina and it might bite you so i'm gonna do a recap in a few minutes and just for the listeners we have experimented with longer recaps but i think we're gonna keep it short i'm just gonna read the recap from wikipedia so that if you don't want to see this movie you understand like all the plot stuff that we go into but we want to like jump straight to the analysis so we'll just read the wikipedia article real quick but like before we get into that um 
I guess, is there much to say about like the production of this? No, there's really not. Um, other than it was a super low budget indie film. Like we said, it's his first film. It had a $2 million budget, which is really small. Um, it was like somewhat well received. Mm-hmm. It didn't do super great, but it definitely had more of a cult following later. Yeah, I, I've seen it get a lot more popular. Like I, I think the first time I heard of it was like 2011, 2012. Uh-huh. And I've heard more people talking about it since then. It seems like it resonated in a way that, like, didn't get it money, but did get it sort of clout. Yeah, totally. Um, But as far as, like, production stuff goes, um, Dex, you said that you read on Rotten Tomatoes or something that he's an openly gay man. Yeah, yeah, there was a, uh, like, I haven't checked this but i can't imagine it would be incorrect but there there was a review when is where they there were ever about... anything on the internet that's not true <laughs> yeah i mean i hope so let me just fact check myself uh but yeah it's actually really impressive because he's like a gay man um pending fact check uh but he <laughs> who's tackling like female anatomy and, yeah like, uh... and like it was co-produced by a woman um joyce pierpoli oh it was yeah oh, okay cool. and so like there were women involved for sure but it seems like this was like his vision like he wrote it directed and co directed it and co produced it and so it's really impressive that he was able to kind of capture this thematic understanding of sexuality yeah but like as a man growing up in like i don't know how old he is but like before 2007 as a gay man i'm sure that he understands how sexuality as a like horror works sure but he hits really really well on like the adolescent girl version like it's great it's funny because like stereotypically like and not to generalize obviously but like from my understanding a lot of kind of um cis gay men tend to have this like disgust with the vagina they don't want to talk about it they don't want to think about it they don't want to not that they demonize it but like i think it is kind of it is impressive that he Mm -hmm. does like make a story that is so feminist Mm -hmm. like and also tackles something that's kind of more like heteronormative too Mm -hmm. um just with like all the relationships in it are like very heteronormative and like you know this this typical penetration not not like a more like you know inclusive penetration if you will um but but also what's cool is like he doesn't again like even though she is she has this like adaptation as the film refers to Mm -hmm. it and she has a mutation and like has kind of a little monster down there <laughs> she's not othered in that sense and yeah. she's it's empowering you yeah know? it's about her and her story and her understanding what this means for her instead and of like oh look, her sexuality look at this scary girl and, yeah, yeah exactly and like she is definitely the protagonist she's our hero you know mm-hmm. she's not an anti-hero at all yeah um so yeah it is it's really cool that mm-hmm. He did this honestly yeah, it's pretty impressive um but yeah we didn't talk about what our relationship with yeah, this film let's, is yeah um, what's your relationship with this film dex um, i think i think i watched this for the first time in like 2018 i'd i'd been seeing i had seen people talking about it i think like on tumblr yeah. or something that before tracks. that <laughs> yeah um i think tumblr liked this movie uh like after the fact um but like i didn't really know what it was about 
Um, mm-hmm. But I watched it and I was like, oh. Uh, you didn't this... know what it, was a, what it was about at all? Well, there like, was... I knew that there were teeth, but I okay. wasn't really sure, like, what to expect okay. thematically. I didn't know if it was, like, campy or actually yeah. horror. Interesting. Or, okay. Yeah, like, so I I watched it and I, I just remember thinking about it for a really long time. Yeah. And uh, because as we'll kind of talk about soon, like, we both grew up in a very purity culture place. Like, I was extremely abstinent uh-huh. uh that might have something to do with my asexuality it just made it super fucking easy but like i i, I didn't ever get sex ed in in high school or anything like that and so um i was watching it and i was like oh okay i i kind of get what the symbol is here i get how this works and i i feel that you related to um, that yeah but also i don't think it's like technically a very good movie so um yeah that's that's kind of my relationship with it i it is one that i like talking about though it's one that i enjoy sharing with people Rich who subtext i subtext like. and yeah like, yeah a great uh, catalyst for i think some interesting discourse yeah um cool. summer what is your relationship with this movie what did you know about it going in yeah so it's kind of similar ish to your experience um when this came out in 2007 that's the year i graduated from high school so i'm so you're like the I'm same age as myself her. yeah mm-hmm. basically um and so so watching this, I watched it for the very first time to prep for this. I've actually I only got to see it once, but once was enough for me. And Fair. and kind of going along with like the content warning, even aside from that, like I just don't think this movie is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that it is an important film. And I think that like again, this it is a great jumping off point for like really rich discussion. But I don't I didn't really like this movie honestly Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't find I don't think the campiness really worked for me and I usually I love camp like Mm -hmm. and I love the juxtaposition of like campiness with horror um but I I really liked some of the performances and I I liked a lot of the themes and like you know I I don't I don't but technically yeah it's not really that great of a movie um again it was very low budget and the plot has a lot of holes and like it's whatever but um and I didn't (sighs) I don't think I was expecting it to um, make me feel the way I did. Like it almost like maybe because I related too much to like the 2000s. Like, like, okay, so aesthetically, this movie is like very oh 2000s, like early, yeah. early like 2000s. Outfits, I'm just like, holy shit. And okay. like the when you first fucking meet Dawn and she's wearing the jeans under her dress when she goes to school the first day, or it wasn't, that's it the was second like time real, we see yeah. her after she does her little like presentation. I was like, oh my God, I, I remember my like very first date I ever went on. I wore jeans under like a dress. Like I was like, yeah. oh, that's me. And yeah, relating so um, severely to the way that she views her body the fear of her own sexuality mm-hmm. um her dedication to chastity like being chaste and pure and like being like the face of that like I was very much like oh my god it's so cringe like how like, my I friends mean, this, would look up yeah. to me as like the one who was like don't ever go on single dates until you're 18 like oh I was like god, yeah. no single dates only group dates and like yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and we'll get more into, like, my relationship with, like, my sexuality at that age, too. Um, but anyway, yeah, this movie, uh, I heard about it when it came out briefly. I obviously discarded it from my mind because right. I was like, that is not, That's aside from the fact that it's rated R, I'm like, wow, the devil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then probably, let's see, 
when I left the church a few years later and I started to kind of like get more interested in film and and more, um, you know, cult followed films, culty films, um, I was curious and I think I started watching it and then like I fell asleep or something. This was like years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hadn't seen it until I prepped for this. Um, but, yeah, I... I don't know like I have a lot to say and I'm excited to get into it but I again I just don't I wouldn't recommend this movie to like uh, just anyone I would recommend it to some people there are lots of people who I'm like yeah let's talk about this and some people I'm like no just listen to the podcast like there are so many movies that we're like we urge you to go watch it before listening but like I'm not gonna do that this time Yeah, which is why we want to give a very complete accounting via Wikipedia but also, but like, uh, but like it's to... so simple. Like, there's not. I know there's, there's really, not that much plot. We don't to this need movie. to. Yeah, get it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll cover it quickly. Um, um, but yeah. Having said that, um, do you want to give us the recap? Yeah, now? let's Should do the recap. Okay. okay, listen up, guys. I'm gonna read out loud from as our. Should uh, I should I put mm. on like a goofy accent? Should I like <laughs> should I be French for this? Oh boy, uh, if you want to commit to that, you can. I'm let's, good. Though, I'm, I'm gonna the... try out on one. No, I don't know about <laughs> French. <laughs> that might be a little distracting. Although I am eager to hear it now. <laughs> I'm, I don't have a very good French accent. All of my accents are from the Commonwealth. <laughs> Also, oh, wow. Terrible yes ending. I just shut you down. <laughs> Who am okay. I? I think I was I'm so sorry. Shut. I was hoping to get shut down. I'm like, can I go on this on this goofy little trip? And I was like, please say no, please say no, please say no. I'm going to embarrass myself. Mother, may I? No, you may not. Uh, you can do whatever you want, Dex. You are a free spirit. <laughs> Don O'Keefe is a teenage spokesperson for a Christian abstinence group called The Promise. Wait, but here's what I don't like about this. What? We don't know what the first scene is. The first scene's so important. Okay. And we, we don't even learn that, like... Because no, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, okay, maybe... I'm so sorry. <laughs> maybe we just tell them what the first scene is and then go yes, into do that. Because we don't know that she's... Is? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay, so we open on this... Almost like a your your stereotypical like white picket fence house, the perfect suburbia, you know, dream, but it's like scaled down. And then there's these like smokestacks in the background, so it's like mm-hmm. very like it's it's like Which, tucked away in like yeah. industrialism and like yeah. So we're we're in front of this house, right? And we we see um a couple, an adult couple with two kids playing in a little kiddie pool, and they're playing around. The kids are, and then all of a sudden we hear him scream, uh-huh. and the parents are like, "What's wrong? What's happening?" And he pulls up his finger, and it is just bleeding. And and we see the little girl kind of like Be- looking yeah. at him. It's like a close up of her face. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's yeah. how it opens. He got his <laughs> like the tip of his finger basically cut off. Uh-huh. And it's it's not. It's a little bit like vague what's happened here, yeah. but. That, and you as the as the viewer yes. are like, I'm very smart and I know what's happening. Sure, because I know what this movie's about. Yeah. Um, okay, thank you. Okay. Now we can go back to the Wikipedia summary. Um, so, uh, yeah. Dawn O'Keefe is a teenage spokesperson for a Christian abstinence group. Uh, she attends group with her friends. At home on several occasions, she hears her stepbrother Brad, who is a piece of shit, and Ugh, his girlfriend Melanie, Brad. arguing about Brad's refusal to engage in vaginal intercourse with her, insisting on only having anal sex. Okay. Uh, very weird intro. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One afternoon, after giving a speech to her group about the purity ring worn by members of the group, Dawn is introduced to Toby, whom she finds attractive. 
Uh, the four begin going out as a group. Don has fantasies about marrying Toby, although after acknowledging the attraction, they agree that they cannot spend time together. So, like, there's a scene where she's masturbating to the... She not, doesn't not even, touch like, herself. She, she doesn't even touch herself, but she's, but like, she's thinking fantasizing. about it, About, like, being in a wedding dress with There's, like, guy, champagne, like and he's crawling up her dress, but she doesn't... She, I remember she, she yeah, specifically, she like, like, gets close to, like, her, like, southern area. <laughs> wow, we're adults we can call it what it is her female genitalia um but she doesn't actually touch herself Mm -hmm. but she's getting hot and bothered yeah so she and toby agree not to hang out because resist the urge they're resisting the temptation because masturbation is obviously evil uh Okay, they later give in and they meet at a local swimming hole. After swimming together, they go into a cave to get warm and begin kissing. Uh, She gets uncomfortable and then he gets a little aggressive. He shoves her. She hits her head and then he starts to rape her. And by a little aggressive, it's it's, it's like it's very triggering. Yeah, they're like. He in, and he switches like gears so quickly, yeah, like because he's he was, like, no, it's fine, like I understand, and then immediately he just like, yeah, yeah. switches modes. Like, yeah, he turned it on, and and like they had talked a little bit about how like he was a little bit um he's a experienced virgin, but he's like, yeah, I'm a I'm a virgin because well, God forgave I me. I love, I actually love that line because she asks him, well, he asks her, so. Have you ever? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, of course not. And he's like, no one's even touched you down there. And she's like, no, like I'm shocked. Cure, yeah. And then she's like, no, I'm a virgin. What about you? And he's like, yeah, I'm a virgin. And he's like, well, in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that's how he phrases that. And that's such a thing. Like, I remember I have like older cousins who consider themselves this is even like a more watered down version of this. Like they call them virgin lips, right? Like like not having ever oh my kissed. God, yeah. And a, a certain cousin who vowed to never kiss another person until she got married. Horrifying and she idea. Was like, so bad. She literally felt like she was a reformed virgin. And I was like, oh, first of all, virginity is a social construct. Yeah, totally. But like second of all, like, oh, come on. Like, oh, my God, the yeah. mental gymnastics you're playing right now. I know. Anyway, just, just enjoy it. Just but yeah, but he does. He does uh, allude to the fact that like he was weak and now he's being really strong and really good but it's almost like puritan culture allows young men to excuse what they're doing because oh this is just like my nature and And it's actually the girl's behavior yeah exactly um so yeah fucking pisses me off okay so uh toby rapes her and she like fights back and then and then he says you hear a crunch ew oh man the audio okay but can i just say when he says i haven't even jerked off since easter it's like <laughs> like well then jerk off dude like don't like, don't make this her problem i know really quick i yeah, I, yeah, I don't no, want to totally, like yeah. this distract is, this is too much from but this is what i'm talking about with like the campiness not really working for me. Yeah. Because even in this scene, aesthetically and like tonally, there's still an element of camp. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, it's like it's this not feels being serious gross. enough. Yeah. Like I'm like, he is raping her. And it's in a very dark, obviously. Like yeah, it's you like, can't have that without it being dark. But yeah. a really like terrible way, and this is a terrifying thing that's happening, and yet he's still saying lines like, I haven't even jerked off to Easter. Like it's yeah. trying to be funny. And I'm like, this isn't this part 
can just not be funny no. actually See, like, I didn't read that line as like even trying to be funny it was just uh, him trying to like put the responsibility on someone else it was I don't his know. delivery yeah, he was fair. just kind of like he a was, little too like, I, I feel like me. the actor in this because she was great what's yeah. her name um, um, her name Weixler. is Jess Weixler Jess Weixler she was yeah. awesome in this I yeah. really liked her oh yeah and we didn't say that she actually won uh, a jury award at Sundance mm-hmm. for dramatic acting yeah um, anyway yeah <laughs> So, yeah, you hear a crunch and uh, you, you see his penis on the ground and his, uh, yeah. he's You just, see the full on Yeah, penis. you see his like, balls still there. It's <laughs> like you see, yeah, it's a whole penis on the ground there. Uh, so they really go so for he, it. Yeah, so he <laughs> freaks out um, and I think she runs away. Like he, he, he stumbles He goes back into, into the, the water, water and she runs away. Well, he like is like clear. She's obviously processing everything, having mm-hmm. just been raped and then having this realization what happened, that yeah. her vagina literally just bit a dude's dick off. <laughs> um, and in her mind, she's no longer a virgin. But yeah, he stumbles off because they're, ooh, can I just say too? Yes. I I do love the location choice for this <gasps> because so I read that it's in Austin, Texas and it's in this specific like water hole. Um, and it's so cool because you see this, there's like this cave that's overlooking this water hole mm-hmm. and the cave has like, really cool is it stalactite the mm-hmm. stuff that hangs down mm-hmm. i always get stalagmite and stalactite, yeah, stalactite is the one is the on one the, that's coming yeah. uh from the the ceiling um it and it, it does like kind it. of resemble like because it's cavernous and it's like has these like teeth you know and it's and that's where and they also go it's behind to... this waterfall so it's like yeah uh, yeah uh, it's like I, have you guessed what this movie is about it's kind of the perfect location obviously it kind so of good is, job yeah. um location team yeah absolutely um but yeah he he's stumbling to his death essentially um so she flees the scene and then later she goes to another promise meeting where she meets her classmate ryan this this whole scene Um, was rough yeah so they they talk and then he drops her off dawn goes back to the swimming hole and she screams in horror when she sees a crab crawling on okay so she sees toby's penis uh she drops her purity ring off a cliff and then she researches vagina dentata and she realizes that she might have it she visits a gynecologist, Dr. Godfrey, in an attempt to find out what's happening to her. When he assaults her in the guise of an examination, reaching up inside her without a glove, she panics and her vagina bites off four fingers on his right hand. While biking home, several police vehicles pass her and she sees someone driving a car that looks like Toby's. She decides to go back to visit the pool to investigate. When she arrives, she sees the police bringing up Toby's body. Meanwhile, back home, her ill mother, Kim O'Keefe, collapses. Dawn comes home and finds her while Brad and Melanie are seen in his room having sex while Dawn's mother lies on the floor. The door is open. Yeah, like you can see them in the background. Um, Dawn's mother is taken to the hospital. Dawn, panicked about her mom, goes to Ryan seeking help, hysterical about her encounter with the doctor, Toby, and her mother. Ryan gives her a sedative and masturbates her with a vibrator. Though initially afraid she'll hurt him, she finds that when she is relaxed and consenting to sexual activity taking place, her teeth do not engage. The following morning, they have sex again, but mid-coitus, Ryan's friend calls. Ryan smugly boasts, right in front of Dawn, that that he and the friend had bet on whether they could score with Dawn. In her anger, her vagina bites off his penis, and she leaves him to call his mother for help. Dawn's stepfather, Bill, attempts to throw Brad, her stepbrother, out, but Brad sets his dog on Bill, um, and then Brad confesses his love for Dawn. Uh, Dawn meets her stepfather and Melanie at the hospital after hearing her mother has died. 
Seeing her stepfather hurt and hearing from Melanie how Brad told her to ignore her mother's cries for help earlier, she becomes emboldened by her power and goes back home to seek revenge. Dawn puts makeup on and goes to seduce her stepbrother. In the midst of the act, Brad recalls that while they were still kids, Dawn bit his finger, but it was not her mouth that bit him. As he realizes this, Dawn's vagina bites off his penis. She drops it on the ground, and although Brad calls his dog to bite her, the animal instead eats it, spitting out the genital pierced glands. Oh, God, of course. I forgot that he has the Prince Albert piercing. It's so bad. Uh, Dawn leaves him, and he presumably bleeds to death. Dawn cycles away from home, but her bike tire sustains a puncture, so she begins hitchhiking. She gets a lift from an old man, but falls asleep and rides for several hours, waking after nightfall at a gas station. When she tries to get out, he repeatedly locks the doors. He licks his lips as if to ask for a sexual favor. Dawn hesitates, then looks towards the camera and turns to the old man with a seductive smile. So and that is teeth. This this movie's absolutely like batshit buck wild. Like it has no it has so little plot. It's just like here's a girl and the different ways that she's getting assaulted, but also she she bites people like it, it's very repetitive and it's like your mom died and and like your full I thing think, is like killing your brother yeah but like isn't that what i said to you when yeah. i finished it i'm like my first reaction is this could have been a short film honestly. oh absolutely and i, I think, think it, it probably would have been a pretty good short, short yeah film. because they it is a little bit redundant mm-hmm. at times um and the characters really aren't that rich. She mm-hmm. is. Yeah, definitely. she's and very we follow well her written, journey, but everyone else, like, not really. Yeah, as she, like, regains and reclaims, you know, and she's empowered. She learns how to, you know. Bite. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but um, otherwise, it's it's, yeah. it's lacking in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it kind of feels like, like if I were in a writing class and I had to turn in a script, but I procrastinated until like three days before, (laughs) which we've all been there. Like it it feels like something I might write then. It's just like, okay, here's the idea. And the plot points are. Yeah. yeah. Like thematically you can tell it's been percolating for a long time because like there is a certain execution of like this vision, but like Mm -hmm. plot wise, it just feels like it needed several passes. Yeah. It really feels like it's just like, her like coming coming to understand her power laid over just like a bunch of weird flat shit you know mm-hmm. um like it was yeah yeah it wasn't well built out um but i do think that the central theme about like sexual violence female empowerment and uh just like that general thing i yeah. I, I think it really really hits hard like you see dawn reacting with a lot of just like horror to what she's done. And that's, this movie is not scary, but Dawn is scared. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what makes this like a sort of spooky movie. It's because and like, the gore factor, which there's not yeah. that much. Like it's not, but you do see just, but there is chopped off there. penises. The, the shots that you we do get are quite explicit. Yeah. Um, but what if, before we jump into like yeah, a yeah. deep analysis, should we take a little break? Cause we, yeah. Oh yeah, we've been totally. going for a minute, yeah. and then we'll come back and we'll we'll go into the uh, analysis Sounds part. Good. Okay, okay, we'll be, be right, right back. back. Bye. We are so fucking back. We're we're fucking back, baby. Hey guys, ready for <laughs> with the, the weird movie? <laughs> yes, let's talk about 
this is kind of a little bit of a vengeance film. I mean, not like revenge, but it's, not. And it, it's like it's kind of a rape revenge film. Yeah, but like, in but a like instantaneous. Way. <laughs> yes, it's um, yeah. It's, it's more just like immediate. circumstantial than like like because it just like happens. Like she's not necessarily plotting. Eventually right. she does. Eventually but... she does. But she never. Okay, she never like gets revenge for the rapes. Yeah, well, she she does. She doesn't pursue revenge for the rapes. Yeah, she pursues revenge for the guy killing her fucking mom, you know, and being a yeah. fucking weird creep Oof. who has been creeping on her for like we're talking about fifteen her stepbrother, years. Brad. her stepbrother. Yeah, because like it was Ugh. his fault that her mom died, right? And yeah. that's when she like actively try like decides to harness her power instead of just being afraid of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it is a revenge story, but it's like. Not your typical. Yeah. <laughs> in in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we wanted to start by talking about our protagonist, our girl Dawn. Um, and what about her resonates with us? Um, so for me, I mean, Dex and I have both like heavily alluded to the fact that, which not definitely not Directly the first time. Like, we've, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, y'all know, obviously, we were raised Mormon. And um, so... When I when I see Dawn's um, dedication to this this way of life, right, being yeah. abstinent and and cherishing, you know, her virginity and um, saving herself for marriage, and and the way in which they speak of the female anatomy, mm-hmm. right, like in these presentations, which like. One thing that I thought it was so funny. So when she goes to these meetings, right, uh-huh. that she's like basically. Where she's saying don't fuck. Yeah. And and everyone's like chanting back certain like Bible <laughs> verses. Yeah. And like everyone's so hyped to like wear their promise ring and stuff. Like uh, just like that part to me wasn't quite as relatable because the way that like LDS culture handles it is a little bit in a more like sacred way. Yeah, like, it's more personal. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm saving myself. Like it's not a group thing. It's like you may learn about it in like a smaller class with only girls. Right, exactly. Or like you have a whole thing where they introduce like, here's why this is sacred. Here's why God doesn't want you touching other people. Or like, yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's more like it's not in a mob it's like hey here are the things that you need to which, think yeah, yeah which is also like it's funny because like a lot of christian like mega churches they they really cater towards like you know this like group mentality of like we're gonna feel good and feel the spirit in a fun mm-hmm. way with like rock and roll like a rock band and like their services are like full of energy and like hype and like then you go to a an lds like a church and it's like yeah. so dry and boring mm-hmm. and like Uh, you know it's just a very different thing and I think that that's true with like chastity talks too like there were some co-ed um they call them firesides but like for the most part I think you're right like they would separate you by gender Uh binary gender of course and save those more um you know sensitive talks with like smaller groups of yeah. some people in of your same sex um and it, anyway it's, it's so funny too because they don't even like want you to like let the other gender know that you know what sex is right so it's, it's so weird it's like yeah it's only for here anyway um yeah, so I, yeah it's a very different experience yeah. than dawn but it totally. all is just all rooted in that same no, like there's still a lot thing. of similarities and parallels because yeah. like her okay so first of all the way that they handle um sex ed right in school so mm-hmm. 
When this came out in 2007, George W. Bush was the president and he had a abstinence only sex ed agenda. That's what he was trying to like formalize across all states. And like empirically, just have to say this explicitly, empirically, abstinence only sex ed does not work. It doesn't work. Teenage pregnancy goes up. Um, what do you call it? STIs go yeah. up. Like it leaves people open to sexual exploitation and dangerous ways of experimentation. People yes. are going to have sex. They need to be uh, educated about it. And even if they don't have sex, it's good to know. Yes, right? exactly. So, so, sorry, I just wanted to say Thank that. you for explicitly saying that. Yeah. Let it be known. <laughs> it is a rant that I keep in my back pocket. And I, it's <sighs> a really good one and important. So, so you keep it there. Yeah. So yeah, in, so Bush. Yeah, so this is coming out during a time when like this this is a very relevant issue and it still is i mean with like reproductive rights and mm-hmm. like um repression of like sexuality in in different cultures and and religions and also like and also it, it kind of like extends into like don't say gay stuff and like yeah, anti lgbtq totally. stuff because it's the vilification of all like sexual experiences and people paint lgbtq stuff as ex- explicitly sexual when yeah. it's not always. and trying to deny that any of that is yeah. like exists and, or is valid or yeah. and so that that feel of like we have to censor what these kids understand and expose to even though they're yeah. 17 and they should know yeah so growing up like for me um dex you mentioned like you didn't have sex ed in high school not so once. the extent of my sex ed so they had like you know the typical like your body's maturing and like the fourth grade which was mm-hmm. like very low level or high level even it's but like, like wear deodorant yeah yeah That's like <laughs> yeah you menstruation a little bit but like very you know the glossing over all of that um so that's I had that and then I remember my freshman year in high school I was taking a health class and there was a specific date um set apart that was dedicated to having a full uh sexual education period um, and we had to take home permission slips for our parents to sign so that, you know, the school has permission to discuss these things in which they go through safe sex. So California, I grew up in California. They actually did have a sex ed class. That's good. But <laughs> not to throw shade on my parents, but they did not sign the permission slip. They opted out and they said, we would like to teach our daughter that in our own home. Guess what they never taught me? Mm-hmm. Any form of sex ed. I didn't know what pen I didn't know what sex was. Right. Like at all. I I used my imagination. Um and I definitely had the parts and right. I figured like out stuff on my own. The part where it fades to black in the movie, where they're in the bed together and then it <laughs> that, cuts to the next morning. Or like, like or like in my household, um, we skip any sort of like allusion to sex unless they're married because if they're married it's okay my parents would literally <laughs> say it's okay because they're married oh my God. that was the justification Wait, no, I there think the that, mindset I, think, I remember my mom once told me like <laughs> she she read a book before me so that she could make sure that it was okay and she's like well okay you can read this but i just want you to know she sleeps with a man who is not her husband and i need you to know that that's bad that that's not okay and i was like cool yes so if it that's were so her funny. husband it would be f- okay yeah and it didn't even it didn't even just talk about the- sex like it was like oh. they shared a bedroll like obviously they were fucking but like it was for teenagers this book oh, was not describing there was explicit no sex. sort of graphic and, uh, and so oh. it was just like yeah, you're just not allowed to know that people who aren't married can fuck each other that's uh, 
Oh, man. Anyway. That sounds like totally something my mom would say. Yeah. I um, think our parents would get along, actually. Probably. I don't doubt that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like growing up, for me, my relationship with sexuality, like as like a pansexual person who is attracted to like all sorts of types, I was such a horny kid. Like <laughs> I remember when I was 11 year old 11 years old that was the first time I ever masturbated this is great okay do you want to hear this is like the perfect bisexually lit I was watching um fifth the fifth element and I was 11 years old and the very end of the movie when Bruce Willis and what's her name Mia, Mila Jojovic yeah they're making out in the little like space tube thing mm-hmm. and like they're like heavy petting which is what we called it back in the day too and I didn't even know like again like I just felt something I was aroused and like anyway I was a very horny kid I had a lot of like feelings and like you know I had the hormones flowing through my veins. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had to suppress it. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, like, I, the first time and, like, for a while, I didn't have any sort of sh- shame uh-huh. because I didn't associate it with sex. I didn't really, like, because I, I, my parents had not had the sex talk with me. I didn't, we didn't, we just ignored it. We pretended mm-hmm. like it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, there was no sense of shame. But then on my 12th birthday, speaking of purity culture, oh, no. um, there. So the LDS church has this pamphlet. They love a pamphlet oh, my with God. rules and um, shaming tactics. Yeah. So we were reading through the whole for the strength of youth because I was turning 12 and for family home evening one night. We um, went around and we took turns reading different sections from the For the Strength of the Youth. And yeah, for listeners you have to who be aren't taught familiar, what's bad and you have to be taught what you're not allowed to do. And what you should feel guilty about exactly. and what you should repent for, but also um, vague enough to wonder, should I tell the bishop this or am I good? Yeah. Um, okay, so, <laughs> so I had this family home evening, so it was like, me, my two older brothers, my oldest sister, another older sister. I'm the youngest of six. It wasn't like my whole family, but a bunch of my older siblings and then my parents. And for listeners who aren't familiar with this pamphlet for the strength of the youth, mm-hmm. um, there's several different uh, sections, right? So each section has a different category. So it highlights different areas of our lives um, and how we can adhere to this like pure way of living that's right. in line so with like, God. Here's how you should dress. Yeah. Here's modesty. Like, yeah, um, like um, avoid drugs. Word of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah alcohol drugs um honesty um and then chastity mm-hmm. and we get to the chastity one and like obviously i'm uncomfortable because it's it's talking about how you should not arouse feelings in yourself of pleasure and you should mm-hmm. not act upon this and heavy petting is should be avoided and mm-hmm. then and then it says masturbation should be avoided and like we're reading through the whole thing i think masturbation's further down the list mm-hmm. and my my dad stops and he goes summer do you know what masturbation is? And I'm, I had never heard the word before. I was very naive, very sheltered. And I'm like, no, like, I don't know what that is. And then my dad looks at my mom and says, Marty, would you like to explain? Oh God, uh, he made it so weird. So uncomfortable. And she explains that it's touching yourself to feel good until you come to completion and (laughs) I can't imagine trying to and then she said it's a very addictive thing and it's very bad for you and and um you know you invite the spirit to leave when you do that and it's addicting and like 
whatever okay yeah. and the, but the thing is too okay this is so funny because i never associated pornography with masturbation oh. and but like obviously they go in hand in hand yeah. like people watch porn to like get off right mm-hmm. but like the way that they structure it in this pamphlet they're separate sections it's Uh. like pornography is like satan's favorite tool and like you should avoid it and then it says like masturbation should be avoided that's the word first of all avoided is like so vague because it's like like try to avoid it if you can like that's how i interpreted that and i was like wait okay and then it's because i I mean like Think it's about how many people are going to like wake up from a wet dream and totally. be like, oh my God, no. I yeah. Sinned. And that's the issue. Yeah. Like there, and there it, was They're that. not even explicitly Process. saying this is a sin. Right? Exactly. Like, so why would you tell someone to avoid it if it's not a sin? And yeah, it is absolutely a sin because like you can't, a lot of people because like not, some, yeah. because there's not a black and white like criteria of like what standards there are like it's different mm-hmm. for depending on each bishop like it's left up to their discretion but anyway so for me for me i my mom says this i immediately i'm sure i went pale i'm sure oh. i just went white because all of a sudden I, you know the it all comes together i'm putting mm-hmm. the pieces together and i'm like oh this is something i've been doing for like a year mm-hmm. and i had no idea like it was just something that helped myself like regulate like emotionally regulate mm-hmm. it helped me fall asleep it was like totally innocent i didn't even have sexual thoughts i just was always horny i guess <laughs> like i didn't even have to like You're get to like, that chemicals point go. <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. so it was this really innocent naive thing which like if you study child psychology it's like That's a very happened, yeah. natural thing and it's like healthy you know um so and then my dad says this is the kicker this is the kicker my dad says yeah but you you don't really need to worry about that because it's usually more of an issue with young men oh so my god, right? he literally said that and so i'm thinking oh my god I'm a sexual deviant. I'm a pervert. Obviously no girls ever masturbate. And right? and and now what? And so I literally my stomach dropped. I was so sick to my stomach and there was this question of do I need to confess this to my bishop uh-huh. or can I get away with just getting on my knees, no pun intended, and just like <laughs> repenting. Yeah. Sucking God's Tell- dick until he God forgives I'm me. Sorry. Yeah, and so and and I promise this will all come back. I mean, it is part of this, but yeah. but so I, I really like that night. I remember I stayed on my knees for like an hour, and I just felt so guilty. And I was like praying, begging for forgiveness, uh, vowing to be pure from now on. Blah blah blah. And I that guilt never went away. It never went Jesus. away. I didn't. I even like stopped. I didn't even do it until yeah. I was like later in my life when I was like 16 it came up again but anyway I ended up like repenting or no confessing to the bishop when I was 15 which is like a whole other thing that I won't get into but the point is I I can vouch for how destructive it is Mm -hmm. to plant these very um (laughs) suggestive and like shameful seeds in in a adolescent mind a developing brain Mm -hmm. that is trying to make sense of their own body and feelings and but but to still be vague enough to where it's like we're not going to explain how your body works or like how it is actually like an empowering thing and how it can be great with consent but we're just gonna like make you feel a bunch of shame about it um and i think like with dawn we see that we see that she does have these feelings and we see that she like when she's fantasizing about toby and like but then she immediately like you know blocks that off because she's Mm -hmm. resisting the urge and then the thing okay so the scene that was really hard for me was when she 
after the rape um when she goes to do another talk right one of those meetings Mm -hmm. and she's in the back of the car because her friends pick her up and they drive her to the rally or whatever it is and she just looks so despondent like she's clearly disassociating Mm -hmm. like she's She's traumatized she's traumatized and you know she gets up on the stage and she's trying to give this speech but she's racked with guilt right and that's where like this whole issue with like rape culture comes Mm -hmm. in and like how that is a huge issue in our modern day society still like you look into like the numbers of like how difficult it is for people who experience sexual assault to actually have any sort of like any any sort of the the numbers okay when you look at people who have reported rapes um how the criminal justice system handles that what the victim has to go through yeah. just to try and get them to court in like period mm-hmm. and like how abysmal that is and then you look at the the numbers of people who don't report it at mm-hmm. all because they know that like the ramifications are like so great and they don't even want to put themselves through that yeah and, and also like you are also it, it's like a double trauma because like the the assault happens and there's so many feelings that come from that of like horror and and everything i don't know yeah um and then after that you have to while you're processing that you have to go and you have to do this ridiculous set of things that won't help anyway yeah like it's it's so fucked up it really is so like (sighs) and and that's one of the reasons that sex ed is super important right is because she had no idea what was happening and then when she was raped she didn't know who to turn to she was just like i guess and she felt guilty because yeah, yeah. like because again like in these kind of puritanical uh, cultures the, the woman is taught that like you are responsible for arousing these feelings in a young man mm-hmm. like I remember like that's why modesty is so big yeah like I remember being taught that like you if if you bring up these feelings it's because you have instigated it you mm-hmm. have dressed a certain way or you've acted a certain way and like the whole like rape culture yeah. mindset of like victim shaming and yeah. like oh you asked for it like based on how you're dressed you know and which is like obviously fucking bullshit yeah, it's like yeah i walked out the door today how dare i that? like what yeah. what would that even look like yeah yeah no it's 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 not yeah it's not how any um, of it works but yeah so seeing like her when she is trying to power through this speech and then saying you know you're you have to remain pure and like your um purity is like a gift and you don't want to just give this gift to just anyone you know and then Mm -hmm. she's like but I can't say that anymore I could say it yesterday Mm -hmm. and I think like that's what this movie does well is showing how Dawn processes all of this yeah and how harmful this is and it does set it up well because it before that it shows the sex ed class Mm -hmm. in school where they have completely covered up the female anatomy they show the picture of the penis Mm -hmm. they show all of the male genitalia and of course i'm using very like hetero um Mm -hmm. normative and like cis normative terms here um but yeah so can i can i talk yeah please 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 yeah yeah because like i i never had a sexual health class right yeah did your high school offer one yes so the thing was i changed high schools twice and so So you missed it i missed it there was like an overlap okay so i didn't know anything about sex right and so and your parents never i mean yeah no not really my the talk with my mom was like six words long um (laughs) 
in the sex ed class, they, you know, they, they see the penis and then they turn the page and then you see that the vulva and vagina have been, There's a they sticker have a giant over sticker over it, <laughs> yeah. right? And some of them attempt to like peel the sticker off so that they can see it, but it, it rips the page. And um, people are like, well, hey, like, why can't we see that? We saw the penis. And the teacher is like, oh, well, um, it's... It's different. It's different. And he, the teacher can't even say vagina. And so no, he's like, well, not it's even close. Um, and then Dawn speaks up and she's like, well, I can tell you how it's different. It's because women are naturally more modest. And like, it's so clear that she's bought in so much. Oh, yeah. Like her understanding of herself and her body is so, so bought in, you know, uh, to this idea of like, whatever's down there, it's, it's pure and I don't need to worry we about it. We don't need it. to talk about it. When and... little does she know that there's teeth up there. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. And then, and then later she, I think it's after like the first or second time she, the thing happens with Toby at the cave and then she goes to see the doctor yeah, so she can get checked out. And then after that whole madness, she comes home and she like soaks the um, textbook page in water and she like slides off the sticker and you can finally see like the vulva and she's able this, to like, look at it mysteries revealed and to her. figure it out yeah exactly which is it's, wild that it's like it's literally like body an and... uncovering of it yes. and she's like oh that's what it looks like that's what that does and it shifts her understanding of it that access to information about yourself is so vital because yes. otherwise you have no idea how like how anything works how you should react to anything yeah like it's like would you put a sticker on your crotch so that you can't look there like it's so weird um so like yeah I really I think that that sort of like aspect of this movie is so incredibly incredibly delivered incredibly detailed like the girl who played Dawn Jess she seems to really like understand what it feels like to be to have something taken away from you even if it's a social construct it's something that matters it's real to, her. to her yeah and then and then later on she starts to understand what all of it means and who mm-hmm. she actually is yeah right and it's um it's not great but it is a thing and it is an interesting journey to witness absolutely yeah, yeah. so we basically the progression of dawn's experience obviously she finds out that her vagina has teeth when she is assaulted and when it's non-consensual another traumatizing thing so first she's raped right and then she goes home and she finds her mom on the floor unconscious she calls 911 they ended up at the hospital her stepdad is like she wakes up after napping for a while and he's like hey you should go home you know and then after that she she goes to her friend Ryan something can I can I like do something to ensure the scene so like when she before she went to the doctor she like googled stuff uh, or whatever they had in 2007 it was google um and she yeah and she finds like vagina dentata and apparently in like several legends that she finds it's like this is like a monster that has to be tamed right she has to find a man to tame it to conquer the vagina and so it kind of like pushes her further into that idea of like okay my sexuality is dangerous but someone else can fix it for me like i don't need to control it right Mm -hmm. and that's when she goes to Ryan's house is is that's in her head of like, I am dangerous, but maybe someone can save me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's perfect. So she ends up at Ryan's house and this is um, a fellow student who earlier in the movie we see trying to get a date with her. He does ask her out on a date and she's like, 
no, like, why would I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit unclear at this point, like, what his motives are. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be a little bit sweeter than the other guys. Like, he seems to maybe be, you know, the exception mm-hmm. to uh, a lot of dudes being assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she ends up there, and she's also extremely upset after having experienced all of these things. And she's like, I have no one else I could talk to. Um, and so he invites her into his garage studio. He has taken over the garage and he has his whole little, you know, his little man cave set up. And he's like, oh, here, why don't you take one of these pills? It helps my mom for his anxiety. This is the iconic uh bathtub scene that we see that's used for like the poster and everything mm-hmm. where she's in the bubble bath. Um, so he gives her this pill. And immediately she is completely uh, inebriated. Mm-hmm. She is just like out of it. She's she's very uh, discombobulated. Um, she's not in her right mind whatsoever. I, I would say it seems like she's like conscious. Like it's not like she's been roofied. She's not blacked but out. But she is uh, like she's fuzzy. Well, and then like he she, starts feeding her champagne. Mm, yeah, and that, she doesn't. And that makes it worse. Yeah. She doesn't drink that much of it. But so. But he's obviously like trying to get her like to a he's clearly stage. yes he's clearly um I don't care how naive you are like you should know better than to take advantage of someone or to initiate something when they are not in their right state of mind mm-hmm. you know yeah. and plus there was no consent because he didn't even ask if any of this was okay mm-hmm. and the thing that really bothers me is the way that they lead into the vibrator scene, he's mm-hmm. using one of those vibrator, a little tiny vibrator on her. Um, she seems to be like coming too, like she mm-hmm. had passed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is the way. And I don't know if maybe they just like didn't shoot that right. But it's like mm-hmm. it's a black screen. Mm-hmm. And then like it fades into like her being like, oh, what's happening? And it oh, feels good. That is yeah, what happens. Okay, yeah. Okay. And so yeah, it actually right, is right. clear that yeah. she did black out. Like okay. initially she wasn't blacked so, yeah, out. It's but way then worse she did. Than I, yeah. And so he is date raping her yes. right there. Yeah, he is. OK, but this is the first instance of her having a pleasurable experience Mm -hmm. and I don't like that they conflated the two I think that it would have been more effective if she was actually consenting so that we can see because the reason why I'm concerned is because if you know if this is the target audience is for fucking teenagers Mm -hmm. who are like learning about their bodies and sexuality Mm -hmm. I don't want there to be any sort of like I don't want this to be misconstrued as to like, oh, because she kind of likes him and like everything seems fine. It's okay that this is happening. And mm. and I don't know. I just don't like that they they staged it this way right. because later it very clearly becomes like we see that yeah, he gets the phone call. There. and yeah. But like it is consensual. But then right. the phone call happens and that's when she like is pissed and yeah. is like wow you are literally using me and you are um bragging to your friends about it and this was like almost like a dare basically mm-hmm. um so i just think that that was uh, insensitive and i don't i don't think that that needed to take place um yeah i think that really bothered me <laughs> yeah that's that's fair it is because i know, want i want up. to see i want to see a woman having like, like pleasurable it. sex and like feeling empowered in that sense and mm-hmm. and also learning that like oh this is actually a really hopeful thing for me mm-hmm. because it's not like you know it's it's not like I can never have sex like I will chop off anything that enters my vagina including my mm-hmm. fingers but it's like used as a 
like literally an adaptive like tool for society um it's yeah. a it's a form of evolution um so yeah that that scene i had issues with That's um fair. but anyway yeah, yeah. it was it, it was like it, it all comes out so like fuzzy right mm-hmm. like it's like thematically it's it's being very clear but it's like there are some nuances that it's like you should have thought of that you should have approach that differently or um yeah. just like one rewrite and that scene would have been a lot better but i yeah i totally get what you're saying it's 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 very fucked up that she doesn't get any like uncomplicatedly pleasurable experiences mm-hmm. um because she deserves it yeah <laughs> everyone deserves it of course um but yeah. um a thing that i do like and this can kind of lead us into talking more about um the other stuff yeah yeah, yeah a more like a some archetypes that we want to discuss. But I think that um, Mitchell Lichtenstein did a really good job of not turning our protagonist into a monster Mm -hmm. or like demonizing her at all or othering her even because, um, because so often like even in like Carrie, for instance, Mm -hmm. like Carrie, and and I know I think you said you haven't seen haven't this seen yet, it, but no. but you know like the premise and like Carrie uh, is maturing. She is she menstruates for the first time in this movie and she's learning about her body and mm-hmm. and her mother has refused to tell her about it until she basically just shames her and says like, oh, um, she teaches her that it's because Eve, you know, was the right. whole like the whole Christian bullshit, thing yeah. of like Eve ate the apple and so it's her fault and that's right. why they were kicked out of the garden. Blah blah blah. And so. With Carrie, like Brian De Palma, the way he handles this is less than desirable because he does in a way. I mean, she gets destroyed in the end. Carrie, mm-hmm. spoilers. Um, <laughs> and but while she does, she does retaliate against those who wronged her. She is still very much seen as like not necessarily like yeah, she is a monster, mm-hmm. and and she gets destroyed. And I yeah. like that in this, um, it's not it's a trope that's kind of subverted because it's like it is used as this empowering thing and it allows her to like completely reclaim exactly her sense of it's sort of because with carrie it gets very like oh fire and blood right but with um with dawn it's just like this guy assaulted me and he died for it period like that's fine like, We're just gonna cut out the like it's uh, so understandable. It's, it's so understandable it. because the the crime of assault was like directly tied to what he got. Like if he hadn't, if if the guys hadn't attempted to penetrate her against her it will, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. And Point so blank. it's like it's it's very direct recompense, right? It's mm-hmm. like okay, here we go. You did this bad thing. It comes back and gets you. And that's why she's so, like, understandable is because anyone who has been assaulted, it's like, yeah, you probably did want to, like, you wanted something there to protect you and bite the guy's dick off, right? Like, it is sort of, I wouldn't say a power fantasy, but it's like a defensive fantasy. I have, I do know girls who wish that they had something down there. And I actually, there is, like, a device, I don't know, this may be bullshit from the internet, oh. but, like, there was something where, like, rape was a, a systemic issue where you could, like, put it in, like, a tampon, and it would, like... Whoa, s- clamp down or something? Yeah, it, mm. it, it, it was, like, a one of those traps where, like, there's teeth go pointing in and like, up, like and so it can go trap? in, and then it, like... <laughs> they it, like they fit in. into yeah. each other, yeah. Yeah, so, like... Interesting. But, but yeah, it's, like... A, this concept of being able to defend against the the thing that most women are just told to deal with. 
Yeah. Right? Like, because many victims wish that they had that, of course she's an understandable character. It's because she's kind of defended in a way that we kind of all wish we were. Right? M- maybe not all of us, but, no, like, but it's, it's, it's very... Unfortunately, like a lot of women, yeah, yeah, it, it, and not just women, such a men too, but like thing. it is yeah. so baked into our society, mm-hmm. um, and it is a systemic issue. Yeah. Also, like on that note, I I think it's cool because when I ask, like, I think I would be curious to hear like a a more like male like perspective of this because stereotypically there are there's this fear right like the the fear of like female anatomy and like Mm -hmm. the whole like men feeling like they have to conquer it that kind of thing and like i've heard stories before of guys like having that be their biggest fear like penetrating a girl and then having that kind of happen that thing happen so it's like yeah no literally like what the fuck is in there totally like that's like a maybe not like a super common fear but like a nightmare That's for bonkers. men no, and that, okay. i like that it makes this more of like it's not from a male perspective mm-hmm. like it is from her perspective and like it ends up being like a tool for her yeah. um rather than like having this be like a projected fear right mm-hmm. from like the male perspective yeah totally <laughs> i uh was trying to figure out if i should mention Bo is afraid Oh, we yeah. Were, um, Let's go for yeah, it. Yeah, if we're ready to go on to talk yeah, about yeah, more, yeah. like, symbols yeah. and archetypes. Let's do so, it. So, like, I, I think the genital horror is something that we don't get as much, right? Like, we do get a lot of, like, masculine versus feminine horror. We've seen a lot of pregnancy horror. or, yes. or like, um Lots it, It's of been a thing. But, like, the vagina and the penis are very seldom, like, the actual source of fear in a horror movie. And I feel like that sort of like inherently sex is going to kill somebody thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, the whole time I was watching it, it reminded me of Bo is Afraid. And I thought that was so fucking funny because they're two completely separate yeah. movies with completely separate things. Totally but different. it's all this fear of sex and yeah. fear of... For different reasons. But yeah. Like, this like complete, like like almost like um, debilitating fear. Yeah. Of like, of like what your body contains yeah. and what, what you will lose. Yeah. If you participate yeah if you give in to sexual desire well and also like at the same time like i feel like because Bo has been fed these lies by his mom and like we don't know like when you come you die yeah yeah, that's the whole thing like story bo's been because his mother told him that his father died the same way when he was conceived he came and he died and so Bo has like he's internalized it and he's like refrained from any sort of like you know sexual pleasure his whole life into his 40s and it's because of the the indoctrination that mm-hmm. they received right by like their parents or by whatever yeah. and like if you're even told- though it's different reasons mm-hmm. it's like that becomes your reality and that's yeah. and it's just ugh. like carrie too if you're told yeah. that there's something evil inside you by someone who you trust then you will believe that and you will come yeah. to fear that thing and so the idea of reclaiming that in teeth is really really great and like we've seen a lot of like archetypes of reclaiming sexuality and reclaiming like revenge on rapists in a lot of I don't know uh, I was reading because I, th- I think the movie features a couple images of like Medusa right yeah that, yeah 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 and when she's doing research mm-hmm. too yeah and there are a couple of other references yeah yeah and like I you think about like the tale of Medusa who was like raped in the temple of Athena I think one of the temples and for that she became a gorgon and every time a man would look at her he would die 
And so a lot of people remember her as like, oh, she looks at you, you die, you turn into stone. But and that is like an attack. But really, Medusa, she has a defense. If you don't come at me, then you won't turn into stone. Yeah. But men still like keep pursuing her and eventually she gets her head cut off. Whatever. That whole thing happens. But like at her core, she is a woman who was assaulted and then was given the power to retaliate. And I think that teeth is sort of like a modern edition of that um that i really i i think that it was trying to tie itself to certain like it was trying to tie itself to themes and archetypes in a really ambitious way i don't think i think in some ways it landed it but it wasn't a good enough movie to like make it work yeah but like i i do enjoy that it's it's tying itself back to both female sexuality as a defense and to female sexuality as monstrous mm. and sort of reclaiming that, right? Because for thousands of years, Medusa is like a bad guy, right? Yeah. But really, she was a victim. And it's like, okay, you have castration anxiety? Well, that girl was raped. Like, um, it's it's reclaiming so much of that. Um, yeah. And I also, I really liked, I had never, I hadn't noticed this before, but like, in almost every single establishing shot, this is a little bit off topic, but every single establishing it. shot, they have those like, cooling towers in the background Mm -hmm. and like her mom is sick in this like vague way that we're not familiar with yeah and then it it keeps showing the cooling towers over and over and over and we also the the opening credits are like this microscopic like takeover of something and it's it is sort of implying that this is a mutation Mm -hmm. um maybe brought on by like pollution from the thing or nuclear right but like um there's a part where her teacher is talking about adaptation oh yeah yeah it's it's very on the nose but it's quite good her teacher is talking about adaptation and she's like not really paying attention because oh she's like oh i don't believe in evolution because god but then the teacher says like this is for you yeah (laughs) i know she she literally (laughs) looks at dawn and says this concerns you yeah and so it's like dawn it's this proposal of a woman who can defend herself in that way as being a step forward and for humanity but also yeah but also only because it's necessary because it is so prevalent yeah exactly and so it's it's an adaptation it's a piece of evolution and it's making her better stronger for something i don't know but it uh I thought that was kind of rad, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, cool. Yeah. And just some of the the imagery that she sees when she... I th- at some point, does she, like, say, I'm a monster? Yeah, I think when she's, like, researching and everything, she thinks, I'm I'm a monster. And, like, it's so... It's, like, such an inflated version, but um, when you're brought up in that purity culture and you're raised to think okay sex is monstrous therefore the part of me that wants sex is monstrous like Uh, yeah her being able to confront that and then own it and say okay i'm going to use this to keep myself safe i'm going to use this to you know get revenge on the guy who murdered my mom and who was a creep to me all through my childhood like you have to acknowledge the perceived monstrosity dig deeper and find the strength Mm -hmm. and empowerment and then you go out and kick someone's ass with it um hell yeah yeah i i think that's one of the i think that's why i still like this movie because even though it's not a very good movie it's a good symbol and it's a good like 
Yes. It's like a little fidget toy for my brain. <laughs> I'm like, yes, there's so much it's going on to here. I get to, yeah. And like, <laughs> I love that. It's fidget toy for your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's totally valid. And I think that it is, again, especially for the time and even today, like mm-hmm. it's still like holds up to an extent. Um, it is an important thing that mm-hmm. needs to be talked about, I think, more openly. And like, I think, do you have something else to say about that specifically? Because I, I kind of want to talk about how the, what the ending implies yes, and what's next for Dawn and what yeah. that says about what the filmmaker is saying mm-hmm. about yeah, like. Totally. So I understand that Dawn has to flee because mm-hmm. she, she has now technically like murdered a yeah. couple people and her mom is gone. Yeah. Her mom is passed. Really and nothing she, keeping her here. There's nothing keeping her here. And... I think what I struggle with is because I, I I enjoy the fact that Dawn has grappled with so much and has um, evolved into this person who is now owning right what she has between her legs and also like reveling it to a certain degree as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want I wish she had like a safe space to continue that journey because now she's just kind of like thrust into the world when she is extremely sheltered and to be fair like I mean that does happen to people Mm -hmm. you know there are people who don't really have much of an escape much of a choice but to escape Mm -hmm. and who have come from very I'm thinking of like people who were raised in cults or something Mm -hmm. like that but it's like I I don't love that she has to go through such traumatizing events in order to get to this point and now she's just kind of like left out in the cold Mm -hmm. and like left to her own devices um I'm not sure if that is I mean she deserves better and and I mean again like I I think that like that that is saying something about how we handle um this type of thing like in society and how there's not always like a safe environment for people to continue to explore that Mm -hmm. um and then also like I'm sorry, but I the fucking old man at the end. It was it was so scene. unnecessarily yeah. creepy, and like it's it's treating this like serious thing so lightly, and he, and I don't like that he's like nonverbal too. Yeah, it's weird. I'm like like that's not cool. He doesn't like, say anything. You don't he just need makes to like eyes at her. Yeah. yeah, and like and yes, like okay, she's now empowered, and like she's not afraid, and she's mm-hmm. like okay, I can see what I can do here, but it's like fuck like really again like she's put in this position and it's like yeah I mean again it's a statement and it's unfortunately like kind of true in this society but like I just want more for Dawn and I want her to be able to you know continue with her life in a less traumatizing way yeah I was actually just okay so it's 16 years later right this came out in 2007 it's 2023 now 16 years I wonder where Dawn Where's is. Where's Dawn now? I, I think she's putting up numbers on Instagram, and I think she's like an activist against purity culture bullshit and rape culture. I think that's where she would be. She would be like, she would Hell have yeah. a couple rough years, but she would get out because, you know, she's capable of biting people who assault her, so that's cool. And like, I I, I think that maybe it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the things I went through when I was a kid fucked me up, but also yeah. now I get to... I don't know. I, I can Share see that her really better advocating other people's for that. lives. Yeah. And then also I, being like, do you want to study this? Or yeah. <laughs> can I get a settlement Does it, from the guys yeah. who put that power plant Dude, in? Because what the fuck? Fucking right. <laughs> and also I could see her like going full circle, like 
speak being like a public speaker and like being a motivational speaker but in a totally different way (laughs) because she is very charismatic Mm -hmm. and she yeah she is really good at convincing people yeah Mm -hmm. i think that while i don't think that this is a good movie i do think that she is a worthy character and this honestly i never say this but this movie could do with a sequel if you made it better i did read an article um uh, it was an interview at Sundance when this premiered and Mitchell Lichtenstein said that he wanted to make a sequel. I would um, hope that it would be way better. I would hope so, too. I'm, I'm OK that there's not a sequel. Oh, but, yeah, totally. But I if, feel, if just, it were um, more flushed out to a certain degree, yeah. then I would be OK with that. <laughs> like make a make a better movie. But I think that the themes and the character and the things that yes. are engaged with are, are worth worth talking about. In a setting that's not just a girl getting assaulted four times, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I think just like, you know, embrace your sexuality. Don't don't allow a society to indoctrinate you into thinking that you are a monster. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah. And I if think... you are a monster, remember, <laughs> you're the coolest monster ever. And you're worthy still we support you yeah um yeah i think i think that um no i don't think i have anything else to say i think i think i have i've shared all my thoughts okay thank Um, you so much you shared thank you this was a good discussion yeah um and yeah thank you listeners for like you know sticking this out and hopefully um if this one wasn't for you the next one will be yeah exactly (laughs) also this one was very long and i really i really enjoyed it like i feel like we didn't yeah anyway we're we're stoked to to have some more uh episodes coming out for you guys soon be sure to follow us on the gram where we will let you know what we've got uh on you know available now and um, please feel free to send us an email, bisexuallylitpod at gmail.com. Uh, Instagram is bisexually underscore lit. And we'll, you know, we'll see you around. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Happy October. Yay. Bye. Music by Gary Argyle. Bisexually Lit is a production of Winterhawk Podcasts. For more information, go to winterhawkpodcasting.com.